Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. Hey, Love Tribe. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in. We hope you're having a wonderful summer day, wherever you're at. We are actually recording this on July 4th, celebrating in Costa Rica. (laughs) But this is not going out for the next couple months, so... So, so happy late 4th of July. <laughs> or Halloween by this time. No, not that long. Um, today we have a great show for you guys where we welcome Dr. Jeannie Safer. And she is a psychotherapist in New York City and author of several books, including her latest, I Love You, But I Hate Your Politics. And that's what we dig into on today's show. Yeah, what a timely um, time. Is that, is, that a, is that a thing? What a timely topic. A timely, there we go. Timely topic to discuss right now because politics is kind of taboo in a lot of relationships and friendships. And sometimes the conversations and the dialogues can be beneficial and you can learn a lot. And other times they can end in screaming, yelling matches. Yeah. And so Dr. Safer gives us the tools to have those conversations because we should be having those conversations in the right way. She has a unique story with her marriage where she's she's liberal, very liberal, and is married to a, a guy who's super conservative and writer for the National Review. And they talk, she talks about her wedding, like the, the largest conservative media personalities of the time were at her wedding and she's got like this liberal side of her family and then her husband was super conservative so she has a lot of personal experience with this and and uh, really gives that backstory so if you want to hear that it's definitely interesting and then about 18 17 18 minutes in to the interview she goes into the specific tools that uh you can apply to your relationships to talk about politics So as always, we appreciate you guys for listening and leaving us the five-star reviews. Please check out our website for all of our free resources. Our 14-day happy couple challenge is on our website, as well as our couples retreat that is in St. Pete in October, the 9th through the 13th. Contact us for more information. And as we have said before, we really appreciate you guys leaving those reviews because it helps us in the rankings on iTunes, which helps us continue to do this podcast because the higher we're ranked, the more appealing we are to advertisers. And that's how we really make this thing happen. Sarah puts a lot of time and energy into putting this all together and uh, it wouldn't happen really without you guys listening. So we love you guys for tuning in and supporting our 
advertisers. So if you hear something that you like, sign up. A lot of times there's free offerings and that really comes back to to benefit you, hopefully on the front end. And, and then, supporting us. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it benefits us by having those advertisers be happy and sign back up with us and we can get on here and do more great interviews. So thank you and enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome to the show. Delighted to be with you. We have given our listeners a little overview, but I think it would be nice if we started with having you tell our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships and in particular improve the dialogue around differing political beliefs. That sounds a lot more polite than most people really are in these fights. (laughs) The reason I feel this is so important is that I went through it myself. I've been married for 39 years to um, a man who has nothing in common with me politically and everything else in common with me. And it took us some time, and I'll, I'll discuss it in, in, at length, you know, of how, how we figured this out. Um, and then I realized that these days people are getting divorced and ruining 60-year relationships and, and good friendships over politics, and it doesn't have to be that way. So you have a personal experience with this. So maybe we could start by telling us how you navigated it with your husband and in, in the situation. How we managed not to kill each other for the last thing. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Mean, you, you have no idea what some of the... Because I, I interviewed 50 people for this book, and I heard everything. People smashing each other's cell phones and, and getting into fist fights. And I mean, you wouldn't believe... There people who really love each other. And some, some of them had long marriages. Well, the way it happened for me, is that um, Rick and I met. His name is Rick Brookheiser. He's a senior editor of National Review and author of 14 books, uh, history books himself. Um, he hadn't done that at this time. <laughs> I, uh, I'm eight years older than he is also, which is actually hasn't been anywhere near as much of an issue as our political difference. But um, we met in a singing group. Uh, it's a group in New York City that sings Renaissance religious music on street corners for nothing. And I had belonged to the group, and then Rick joined. And uh, I noticed this man, I'm also, by the way, I'm five feet tall, and he's six foot four. So (laughs) (laughs) we have have a lot of overt differences on the surface, for sure. Um, And so I noticed he had just a wonderful voice, and he was very appealing. And so about the second time, we, we used to rehearse for three hours at night, once a week, and then give a concert every week. It was a wonderful experience. We still sing with them on occasion. Uh, anyway, 40 years the group's been around. So uh, 45, I think, actually. Anyway, so um, I, I asked him after several, you know, knowing him for a few weeks, what he did for a living. And he said, I'm a writer. And I thought, oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> and I said, who do you work for? And he said, William F. Buckley Jr. <laughs> now, I don't know, many younger listeners probably don't even know who, who Bill Buckley is, but he was the uh, premier conservative figure in America uh, at that time. He, he had a television show, an hour television show called Firing Line that he talked to all kinds of people. And, um, and he, had, he started a magazine when he was very young called National Review. And Rick was the, was the youngest person who ever worked there. Uh, he started being published there when he was 15. Anyway, so I thought, oh, a writer, great. Uh, a conservative writer works for Bill Buckley. Oh, my God. And I thought, well, <laughs> this is a writer. So this was literally, I, I remember thinking these. And um, so we, we, we had a, a wonderful romance for about a year. And then uh, 
he actually, it was, it was a big thing for him to decide to marry me, actually, because I was so different from his background. Uh, I'm Jewish. I'm a psychoanalyst. He came from a, a traditional Christian background, um, who, uh, parents who were uh, to the right of, uh, I won't say Hitler, but you know, <laughs> very, very far to the right, and who didn't like me because I was very different. And he took all those risks for me, and I think I I am very, very grateful that he did. Uh, anyway, but what was one of the funny things when we got married was our wedding, which at which um, uh, Bill Buckley was there, of course. And my mentor, who had been a communist and um, was thrown out of his tenured position at, uh, at a university, by the McCarthyite uh, forces, walked me down the aisle, and one of the McCarthyite forces, who was the publisher of National Review, gave a reading. So we really had talk about political differences. <laughs> yeah, we had two incredibly different different points of view there, and everybody behaved. And then one of my friends also gave a reading, and he said, "Bedfellows make strange politics." <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, um, it really, that really set the tone for us. And I'm not saying that it wasn't difficult, you know, and I have to admit that the biggest problem with me, I'm not used to not speaking my mind. And it took me, I would say, to be perfectly honest about 10 years, (laughs) that's a long time, right, to really accept that I wasn't going to change Rick's. You know, I change people's minds for a living, but they come to me wanting to change their minds. He knew what he thought. And, I mean, name an issue we're on opposite sides. Abortion, gun control, uh, uh, separation of church and state. Uh, God, anything you say, you don't agree on. But what I've learned over the years is that political agreement isn't everything. And the way I learned that is that I had never had a boyfriend before who didn't agree with me politically, but I never had anybody treat me the way Rick did, with such tenderness, with such love. And we've also had that love really tested. We've both had very dangerous cancers, him once at 37 and me twice at 63 and 64. That's when you know what really counts. We love this story, and it's super unique. It seems like to have such a high profile, you know, figure in conservative uh, circles and then yourself being so different and coming together. I love that image you painted of your wedding. I'm just imagining like today's <laughs> equivalent is like, I don't know, Bill O'Reilly is is uh, at the wedding and, and Glenn Beck and you name it. And then on the other side, <laughs> no. Bernie Sanders. Well, well, now and, you have to understand, Rick is a lot, a lot more civilized than any of these people. But you know, it wasn't just Rick. It was all of National Review. I've called myself for years the liberal mascot of National Review. Now, I agree with these people about nothing, but they have really been wonderful friends. And, you know, this this really changed changed my life to see that. I mean, in fact, uh, National Review and the National Review Institute gave me a book party to celebrate this book because they believe in comedy across the aisle, you know, of, of really talking to people across the aisle. And that was one of the most moving experiences of my life, you know, because it shows that with real effort and love and, and work, you can do this. You can do it in your own marriage. And politics is only one, of course, thing that people have terrible uh, struggles and conflicts about. But politics has gotten so vicious in personal relationships. I can tell you many stories about people who were really ready for the divorce court. And uh, I, I feel very grateful that I've been able to, to find a way to show them how to live with each other, because I know it myself. So let's dig into this. And, and I think it'd be valuable if we could do it through the lens of a uh, relationship developing, because early on, you, you meet someone and you're getting to know each other. And certainly, usually the first date, you're not talking politics, but eventually... These days you do, by the way. I mean, these days, people don't even talk to each other or or, or, 
get each other's profile if they have a Republican or Democrat or the opposite thing. And many people, particularly Republicans, by the way, don't put down that they're Republicans on their dating profiles. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. And that's a great point. I'm glad you went back to like pre-relationship. Yes, right. We're setting ourselves up, you know, we're setting ourselves up for a fantasy that if somebody is in lockstep agreement with us politically, then everything's going to be hunky-dory. And I think people find out pretty quickly that um, that's not true. So relationships develop. I mean, you know, first, as you said, you know, you have an attraction, you have things in common. But these days, it's one of the first questions people ask. And and many of the people, well, one couple, for example, that, um, by the way, uh, let me just tell you a, a little bit about how I got into this business of being the politics doctor. <laughs> it's um, It was kind of by by passionate, desperate request. Um, I've, I've written about this a lot in articles and on my own blog and, and with Rick. And we've appeared, we were on the John Stewart show about it a few years ago. But um, so what happened is people started writing to me when Trump was elected. Men, mostly men who were Republicans and Trump supporters. And they were desperate. They had uh, liberal, mostly girlfriends who they had met fairly recently and really liked and wanted to work it out. And they were just terrified that politics was going to tear them apart. And so they asked me for advice. And you want to hear the funniest funniest request for advice? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which was very, ended up to be very important. This was the first email I got on this subject. Um, This man wrote me and he said he was a, a very, you know, very avid Trump supporter, and several months before, he met the woman of his dreams. She was beautiful. She was wise. She was loving. She was just everything he wanted. And um, he really, he, he wanted to marry her, basically, after right after he met her. Anyway, um, so they were, they were going together for a few months, and then at one point, his car was parked um, so that she could see his back windshield. And and she saw on the windshield a decal that he had of Trump urinating on Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know such a decal existed, but <laughs> <laughs> and she and she saw it, and she hadn't. She knew he was a Republican. She didn't realize this, and she went berserk. She was outraged, and she told him, "You've got to get rid of this." And then she thought, "Wow." He was a man who thinks something like this. So what he wrote to me was, what should I do? <laughs> I mean, it sounds funny, right? Because isn't it pretty obvious what he should do? <laughs> but he said, he said, you know, if she had, if she had a decal of, of Hillary urinating on Trump, I wouldn't mind. I would think it was funny. What should I do? So I wrote him back after looking at this. It's, you don't expect, even in my profession, for, for total strangers to ask you to solve problems of such importance, right? And I said, take it off, civility rules. And he did. He did. And she wrote me, overwhelmed with gratitude. She said, I can't thank you enough. This really allowed him to show his true character which was that loving me and being considerate of me mattered more than anything else. And they proceeded to have a wonderful relationship. It was, it was extraordinary. I mean, I had stories that went all different kinds of ways, but this was the first. And I thought, people have to think about this more. And they have to realize that what's going on is psychological. You know, my, my feeling with Rick was that um, if he didn't agree with me, how could he love me? How could we be intimate, really intimate? But the fact is, literal agreement of, of principles is not what makes, at least in my experience, for the deepest love. What makes for the deepest love is what you do. I call it showing up. So we talk about on the show a lot the importance of having shared values in the sense of... Yes discussing what your deal breakers are. And of course, we're not going to be the same as our partner across the board. That would be pretty boring. But there's fundamental values 
that a lot of times, if you don't have those in common, can lead to an unhappy relationship. Absolutely. And politics has really become, in most people's mind, one of the fundamental core values. So it's not surprising that people say, how can you, how can you live with somebody who doesn't believe in women's right to choose or, you know, things like this? And, um, I have an answer for that based on a lot of experience myself and talking to people who have made these relationships work. As I said, I interviewed 50 people, 50 different relationships. Um, because Core values are not necessarily our political opinions. Core values are how we treat one another. The sensitivity that, that, for instance, this man showed when he took the decal off because the woman was upset by it and didn't say, well, the hell with you, I have right to my free expression. No, he thought she was really disturbed. He cared about her and off came the decal. And core values, we, we have a confusion between political ideas and values. I have a chapter called What is a Core Value? And I had one uh, person in that chapter that really, really epitomized what I believe about this. This is a young woman. She was in her late 30s. And I knew and was very close to her father. And he had, I think, five brothers and sisters. One of them became an evangelical. The rest were way progressive and active, and, uh, and so was her father. And these people, and then her father got very ill and, and was dying. The only one who helped her was the evangelical. He came from way across the country. He, he stepped up. He, he was the only one who was there at her father's bedside when he died, uh, helped her afterwards, and she had been having fights on Facebook with this guy for a while, and she did something that is so rare, she apologized. <laughs> she said, I really was wrong. I didn't see that, that the values that you espouse and the way you treat me and how you help me is what counts. And I, ha I have a word for it, actually, that uh, Rick and I came up with, what, what a value is. We call it the chemotherapy test. Can you guess what that is? Mm, what is it? <laughs> I hope you never have to find out. <laughs> yeah. What it is, is if you were lying in a hospital bed getting chemotherapy, which both of us have done, you don't ask the political opinions or party registration of the person standing next to that bed getting you through it. That's the chemotherapy test. And obviously we're talking about a lot more than chemotherapy here. That's what I meant about showing up. You know, people who agree with you politically don't necessarily show up. One of the interesting things that I also learned about this was that, because we're talking you know, about various kinds of relationships that are, that are close relationships, that uh, my closest friend who agreed with me on everything political and was also a psychoanalyst, I was in the hospital for a month uh, with a particular kind of leukemia that was curable but pretty terrible. Um, she never came. And my next-door neighbor, who was an avid National Review reader, uh, very Catholic, pro-life, the whole thing, came and did my laundry. <laughs> so I, I've had a lot of experience in ways that I feel fortunate to have had that, that taught me that, that political uh, sameness is no guarantee, and political difference doesn't have to be a deal-breaker in love, you know, whether that's love and friendship or love and marriage, uh, it just, it's, it, we're seeing with too narrow a vision, I believe. I, if I hadn't met Rick, I don't know what my life would have been. It was one of, it was the best decision that I ever made. Uh, and, the, you know, the fact that we can't, we don't share political beliefs We've, we've learned to work around it, you know, uh, and that even, in fact, that has changed to some degree, not that we, we, our beliefs have changed, but the way we talk about it. I mean, in the last chapter, I end the book, I don't really talk about our relationship too much in the book, but I end the book by talking about how our discussions of abortion have changed over 39 years. Um, they started out pretty hostile, uh, for the obvious reasons, 
you know, people are very exercised about this. And at some point when there started to be strictures on abortion, um, and I'm a big reader of the Times, New York Times, I look at an article that says that, um, I think it was a Webster decision, that all the, that a state had the right to close all the, the abortion clinics in the, in the state. And I said out loud, this is terrible. I think I'm going to have to join a protest march. I've never been on any sort of protest march in my life. And Rick looked at me and said very darkly, if you march, I march. I think this was the only awful fight we ever had. And we felt terrible. You know, and after this fight, we talked about it and we said, we can't go there again. And so we learned really not to talk about it. Um, but then over time, it turned out we became able at least a little bit to talk about it. And that was an incredible uh, progress. And the, the, the funniest thing was at the end of the book, I talk about the, the, the wildest way that we ended up talking about it. I had just finished the book, just finished writing it. And having a wonderful writer and editor, you know, living with you is, you can't imagine how precious it is. <laughs> I absolutely trust his judgment. You know, he, he it's been marvelous in so many ways. Um, and I said to him, Rick, gosh, you know, this is so hard. I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to make sure that I, that I uh, don't change anything that shouldn't be changed and change what needs to be changed. And, you know, I know, I know, like Mary McCarthy said, you have to kill your babies, which is a, I don't know if it's an expression you've heard, but it, it means for writers, you got to get rid of a lot of stuff that you like. And he looked at me with those beautiful blue eyes and he said, finally, after all this time, you're pro-life. <laughs> and I kissed him. I was, I thought it was, we, were, we weren't joking about abortion, obviously, but we were joking about how people get into these entanglements and we had gotten out of it. Now, he sends contributions. I send contributions. I don't ask. But where it counts, he comes through for me. And I wish, I, I, I would be very happy if more people who both agreed politically and didn't agree politically were able to have that kind of, uh, you know, that, that kind of rapport. Because this, this, even if somebody agrees with you totally politically, they're going to have fundamental differences because they're a different person. And we don't think about this. We think, ah, politics is right. Check all the boxes. This is for me. And the fact is, I checked all those boxes with women and with men, and it doesn't mean it's going to work. And if the boxes aren't checked, don't don't disregard how the person makes you feel and how the person treats you, because that's what that's what makes love real over over sickness and health and over various political administrations. <laughs> in my in my experience. <laughs> So for our listeners who are maybe at that crossroads with their partner and they want to be able to work through it like the two of you did, what would be some foundational tools that they can implement in their communication with each other to prevent them from ripping each other's heads off? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Iconic, where you can shop name brand glasses, contacts, and sunglasses for the best possible price. Iconic seamlessly connects your eyewear, your vision insurance coverage, and your doctor's expertise with their network of over 38,000 eye doctors. Use their virtual try-on tool to see yourself in your favorite pair of glasses. Enjoy the view and visit Iconic.com slash I do. That's Iconic, E-Y-E. C-O-N-I-C dot com slash I do to shop 60 high quality name brands, including Nike, Ray-Ban, Oakley, and AccuVio. Get free shipping and returns, price matching, and a complimentary frame adjustment. Plus, save up to $220 when you apply your insurance. Don't have insurance? Use the promo code I do to get 10% off your entire order. Iconic is looking out for your eyes. Today's episode is also brought to you by our course, Spark My Relationship. 
You're listening to the podcast, so you probably want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner. And if you can do it in less than 90 days, even better. We say it all the time on the show, a mediocre relationship is easy, but a passionate, authentic, and satisfying relationship takes work. It doesn't just happen on its own. And that's why Sarah really did all the heavy lifting on this <laughs> and you created <laughs> this course with the therapist that we've had on the show to really help you with the specific tools, exercises needed to create the lasting and positive improvements rather than just listening to the show and not really implementing them. This is a great way to have some accountability in a structured format to put the tools that we talk about on the show into practice. You can do this in 90 days. You can do it from home and it is self-paced. So it is perfect for turning up the heat in your relationship, having some fun together and really revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And like Chase mentioned before, we've worked with 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. And just some of those strategies are how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper, more intimate bond and strengthen your couple micro culture and future together. So for our listeners only, we are offering a special promo for the course. You can find it at sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, and you can access a special pricing just for you guys. So again, check out sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock for your special promo. Check it out. Don't waste <laughs> any more time. Do, Do it. it. <laughs> I think I'm delighted you asked that question because I've given a lot of thought to that. And I asked my subjects who had worked this out, and some of them, some of them who had worked it out before I talked to them, and many of them worked it out in front of me, which was amazing. Um, my first point is, and some of these are just straight behavioral things, and some of them are profound, is don't raise your voice. The other person will, and by the way, these aren't bad for any kind of fight, <laughs> but the other person will assume you're shouting. And that's the end of rational discussion. And here's another very obvious one that, that people don't follow. Don't mix politics and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you'll start shouting. <laughs> and in one case, a, a couple of guys that I, that I interviewed started breaking things and screaming and hitting each other. I mean, over, over aspects of Trump's character. So don't, you know, it's hard enough to be rational about this subject when you're totally sober. For God's sake, don't drink. <laughs> um, and another one, which I thought is very important, it's, it's a term that I have proudly coined. It's called article thrusting. Can you under, imagine what that is? Throwing articles at people? <laughs> Making you them take, want to read it? <laughs> you, you, you take an article, and at the breakfast table or you know, wherever you happen to be, you stick it in their face or on their plate or say, read this or send it to their inbox. And you expect, that that's going to make a difference. Well, it does. It's going to make the person get turned off and furious because nobody changes their mind because you thrust an article at them. All it does is offend. And this is something when I told people to, I think three quarters of the couples I interviewed did this and did it desperately and daily some of them. And, you know, s several of these relationships got better simply because they stopped doing it. Because when you realize that what you're trying to do is turn the person into you, it's not going to work. I don't think, I, I, I'm very proud to admit, to say that I have never trusted an article ever, even what I've written. <laughs> um, another thing that, that I think is hard for people to realize is that if you really have an issue that makes you both crazy, don't discuss it. There's plenty of people who agree with you that you can talk to. It doesn't have to be with the person that you love the most in the world if you can't do it. And don't start, if you, if you are going to have a discussion, don't start. Now, this is, this is tone as well as words. How can you possibly think such and such? Word? Did you see that horrible thing that, that Trump said or that some, something that somebody else said about Trump? This is no way to start a rational conversation. It's going to make the other person defensive. Also, 
stay off social media. Unfriending with your friends is a terrible idea. You know, if somebody disagrees with you, it's going to be on their social media. Why set yourself up for rage? Don't look at it. And then if you, if you really do have to have a discussion with somebody, do it in person. Now go analog. Do it in person. Have a phone call. Write a letter. Don't use social media for things that are this important. You know, my, my one subject who actually refriended, uh, you know, and apologized was a rare, rare occasion. You can destroy your family life by this. Um, another thing, I, I think, I think uh, listeners might be interested in this. I believe it's your moral duty to defend your partner against people who attack your partner from your side. And that is, if your partner is good enough for you to be in love with, that person is good enough for you to defend if somebody accuses them. And I, I'll give you an example from, I think this really mattered a lot in our marriage, actually. It was, it was pretty early on. Um, you know, I, I'm like, most, most people in my field are pretty liberal. And Rick and I were invited to a brunch of colleagues of mine, including people I didn't know, but they were all pretty liberal. And he's used to living in a liberal world because it used to be a liberal world. <laughs> anyway, so the guy walks up to him and says, oh, what's it like to be a crypto-Nazi? Which was a term that people used to use about Bill Buckley. And Rick, who's a sweetheart, kind of laughed it off. You know, I didn't laugh it off. I said, I want you to apologize right now. That's a serious accusation, and it's a totally unfair one. And he was so shocked that I said something. But this is essential. You don't let your partner be treated like that. So I think that's something that people don't think about. But this happens all the time. You know, when you're talking to people who agree with you, they start saying things about the other side. And they say, oh, and, you're, and you're, you know, your husband is just terrible. And this. Don't talk about him. I don't want to hear that. Or if he's in present, absolutely. Go to that person's defense. And, and I've got one more, which is the absolute hardest and took me the longest. And that is, in order to make these relationships work, you have to really, really accept that you're not going to change the other person's mind to be like you. And that you can't do that anymore than you can make somebody fall in love with you who doesn't love you. Uh, an experience that many of us, uh, like 100% of us have had. <laughs> you can't do that. It's not going to work. And once you stop trying to change the person's mind, you can actually have a dialogue. You know, you can say things like, like, where, where do you stand on this such, you know, do you say or that or, or no, what's, what's the basis for this, this idea? You can find other ways or you can not talk about it and only talk about something with people that agree with you. This is all workable. You know, if you have goodwill and you really love each other, you can work this out. I promise. It just takes some self-control, some behavioral thought, and a lot of love and respect for the other person. This is a great foundation to build off of and, and to think about. And I want to dig into a situation, kind of the crux of the issue here is like mm -hmm. that that disagreement, let's say it's with our romantic partner, and we strongly disagree with them on abortion. It's a big thing. And mm -hmm. I think it starts with a, a problem of if your identity is wrapped up in that. But then, yeah. and maybe you can touch on that, but at what point do you decide, let's just not talk about this? Because that can certainly be valuable, but then it, it can feel like, to me, that that might be an elephant in the room and maybe you want to discuss it, not to change their mind, but to really hash out your partner's ideas. So how can we think about that kind of situation? When you're talking about something that's such a hot button issue, um, you know, that you would go to the mat for, you have to really think seriously about self-discipline, about how you're going to talk about it and what you're going to say and what you're not going to say. And, this is a very difficult thing, but you have to realize that what you're doing with that person is not going to change their mind, no matter what you say. If you say, I know somebody who died of a botched abortion, it's not going to make any difference because they see the world in a totally different way. So the only thing that you can really do, 
um, other than be outraged, is realize that, that it is possible to have a moral position that isn't yours, that is inimical to yours. And that if you want to know something about what the other side feels, talk to an intelligent person who's not going to try to convince you either to change your mind and ask, ask the question like you would ask a question about anything else. Like, tell me why you think this. What's your experience? And when you do that with, notice I'm not shouting or drinking when I'm saying this, <laughs> is, you know, to say, well, but, you know, I, I see it this way. I mean, you know, t- tell me what's wrong with that. You know, and, that way, you might be able to do it. It's, this is very hard, really hard. This is the advanced course. I think it's an important perspective to have of that you're not going to change a person's mind and realize that if you're with someone that you agree with on everything, that can be great, sure, um, you know, politically, and I'm sure there's a lot of relationships like that, but you get to learn a lot of new things if you're with someone doesn't agree with you and might you really do yeah and what have you learned like have you you don't have to be specific if you don't want to but oh no i don't mind i've learned that these people are not all monsters that hate women for an example you know <laughs> um that that a person can have from a, if, if you believe i mean i really worked on this one because also you know when i did my own podcast uh i i uh had a couple that i interviewed where uh, they had different politics, but she was a liberal pro-lifer, which is very rare. And she was telling me about what that felt like. And um, and it's like you feel that there's this innocent person that's being murdered. And although in no way do I agree with that, if I thought an innocent person was being murdered, I could see why you would legitimately want to stop that. I'm not talking about people who just think women should do nothing but, but have children whether they want them or not. But um, it really struck me when, when I heard her and when I heard my, my next-door neighbor, who's, who's also a dear friend, talk about how they felt about it, it didn't seem like I was talking to monsters. It seemed like I was talking to people who had a position that I that that led led places that I thought were horrible, but that they really were seeing themselves as the defenders of life. And I could, I guess because, you know, I've I've developed myself to the point that I can actually understand the point of view of somebody who totally disagrees with me. I mean, you you, you can't really be a therapist if you can't do that. Honestly, I mean, uh, that's one of the most important things is to be able to, hear somebody who disagrees profoundly or has a different worldview and try to relate to it. And you have to put yourself aside to some degree. You just do. And that's why I said it takes so much self-discipline. But after a while, when you get used to it, I mean, I was able with the people at National Review to have a conversation about the Kavanaugh hearings, which was not quite as intense as uh, abortion for me, but was pretty intense. and one one of the people who worked, a very thoughtful person, said, well, but do you think that people should be held responsible for what they did when they were 17 for their whole lives? And I said, and, and hear the tone, I think it really depends on what they did. And then I changed the subject. So you, you ha- it takes real work, you know. But one of the things you said just before that I think is really important is that you do learn a great deal from having somebody that you disagree with. And that is because real love is not just looking in a mirror. It's looking into somebody else's soul and having them look into yours. And those souls are not going to be the same. You know, I I mean, you can have somebody who agrees with you on every hot-button issue. But when it comes to treating you with love and sensitivity and showing up, they don't. So this puts political beliefs, including moral beliefs, I think in the right perspective. And some people some people can't do this. They simply can't. If if a person doesn't agree with these things, they can't bear it because core values are political values and there we are. And I think for somebody like that to try to have a relationship uh, like mine would be impossible. And that's that's a choice. But I don't think that political affinity 
is going to make love possible. I just, I, I've, I've never seen it happen. It can get you started, but it can't take you through the chemotherapy test <laughs> without other things. <laughs> I think it's also important to be aware of the individual person that you're talking to in that whether yeah. or not they can handle the dialogue or, you know, some people that, you know, straight off the bat that your their, their mentality is to change your opinion. And so it's probably best not to engage with that person uh, with political conversations to begin with. But if there are people that, you know, can have an intelligent conversation, then go for it. So I think having yeah. that awareness is is uh, important as well. I, th I think that's absolutely true. But when we're talking about personal relationships, people you already have relationships with, we may have a totally different point of view on something. Um, what what people don't realize is that self-control and self-awareness are your best helpers in these situations. Because once you really know that this person isn't moving on this issue, it changes what you think you can get out of the conversation. You know, if what you want to know is how could anybody uh, have a position like this? I mean, let's take another one: gun control, which I, you know, is another terrible one. Um, the, I, I actually can see that some people feel that if you can, if they if they aren't allowed to have a gun, that they can't protect somebody if they needed to. Now, I don't see it that way, but I think that's a valid thing to think. And if you can communicate to somebody that. Their, their passionately held convictions are valid, even if radically different from yours. This is really being an adult. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't fight for what we believe in. We should fight with everything we have. But we're not going to change these people. And if you're married to one or you love one or one's in your family, um, sometimes you need to just not talk about certain things or find a way to talk about them that's abstract. I go into a lot of this in the book, actually, you know, different ways to, to do this. But don't start screaming. Don't say you're a baby murderer or you're, you hate women or stuff like that. That's going to get you exactly no place in life. It just doesn't work that way. You can feel all those things. But uh, if you want to have a connection, a decent connection, with somebody who disagrees, you have to ran that in. I think it's been very instructive, the information you've given us and our listeners. And I just want to emphasize like the importance of being mindful and knowing when to not have the conversation. But at the same time, to me, that's what makes relationships interesting is talking to people that are not you, that disagree with you. That <laughs> not have looking different, in the mirror. <laughs> right, like you touched on, that have different viewpoints. <laughs> That's a wonderful way to put it. I love that. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes we just wanna, really want to hear ourselves reflected. And I don't think that's bad. But if that's all we do, heaven help us. You know, we live in a bubble, and people live so much more in a bubble. Do you know the statistics of people who... Um, who are married across party lines. When when we got married, which was 1980, it was 20%. Now it's 9%. Because people can't stand the notion that the other side is, is demonic, whether you're Republican or Democrat, Trump lover, Trump hater. You can't even live in the same world with these other people. And my response to that is one of the most wonderful non-sexual romances that I've ever heard of. And that was... Supreme Court Justices Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They were intimate friends for years until he died. Loved each other, loved each other's families, took care of each other, helped each other. He even gave her his Supreme Court decisions before he showed them to the other justices. <laughs> and they were on the opposite side of a little, I think, every single issue. And I'm thinking, if, if, if Ginsburg and Scalia could do it, so can you. you know? <laughs> They're our inspiration. Yeah. And, and hopefully our listeners out there are able to take this information and apply it to an existing relationship, but certainly going forward. I think your book is obviously extremely timely. We got the 2020 elections coming up and politics are more divisive than ever. But 
make an effort to talk to that coworker, to talk to that friend whose politics yeah. you don't agree with. I think obviously with the right setting, without alcohol, but we're getting into these bubbles where we only want to see and talk to people who agree with us. And I, I think that's it's a really, a yeah, it's an unhealthy place to be. We shouldn't all agree. Um, it's okay to have political disagreements is a great thing. That's how we make progress in the right way. If, if we're able to have that dialogue, but when it gets to a point where we just can't even talk to each other, where you're writing off a relationship just because someone voted Republican or Democrat, that's really not a great place uh, to be in as a society. So I think this is great information, and we really appreciate you coming on the show, Jeannie, and writing this book to get this information out there so that we can have great relationships with people that we don't agree with, agree with <laughs> politically. It's important. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm really delighted to, to talk to you about it because and sometimes if you just open people's eyes and it's possible, it they don't have to despair about it. And they can they can explore. You can explore another country and another person's psyche. And you can find that there's things that are wonderful about them, even if there's things that you really can't stand. Like like a relationship with somebody who agrees with you that you also don't like certain parts about them. <laughs> can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and, and then we'll wrap up? Yes. Um my website is JeannieSaferPhD.com, J-E-A-N-N-E, and I've got all my TV appearances and most of my 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 whole podcast and uh, most of my uh, radio things and all that and um, articles about the book. And um, read the book, and I hope it inspires you. You know, I hope you can see. I hope people can see that this is very doable by adults who love each other. It really is. You don't have to fight forever. Excellent. We'll have the links to your website on our website at idpodcast.com and as well as the podcast description. And thanks again for joining us. Oh, you're most welcome. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you are listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.